This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 522 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Lois is always hot. To the kite quarters. Hawkman is throwing shade. A teeny weeny Sinestro. Me am not Bizarro Black Hammer. A spaceship becomes a drive through A heavenly food court. When two planets break up. And DC turns a racial molehill into a mountain. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, August 18th, 2018. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Lois Lane, number two by Rucka, Perkins, and Mounts. We begin with various media covering the scandal of Lois, married to Clark, of course, and kissing the Man of Steel. At one point, we hear a discussion on The Perspective, also known as The View, with Sedana on the panel. The cleaning lady in Lois's room is disgusted by it all, but Lois is ignoring it, of course. How come nobody thinks, hmm, Maybe Clark Kent is Superman. No. She meets Clark on the Riverwalk in Chicago, and when he asks her how she stands it, she replies that it's like his super hearing. You can tune it out. Got it in one. When he offers to have Superman join the fray, she tells him she will handle it. We cut to Moscow and the slain journalist's apartment being checked out by the question. Suicide my ass, she says. She returns to see Lois, who tells her that she's not interested in who killed her, the hammer, but in the arm swinging it. This happens at a very public burger joint, which the question, well, questions. You're hot right now. I'm always hot. No comment. Lois goes off to confront a finance exec with info that federal money was sent to offshore accounts in his name. She threatens to go public with it unless he sets the record straight. A check-in with Perry, who is editing a paper copy of her latest article. I can't edit on a screen, and believe me, you need the edit. There's a reference to a Daily Planet reporter not being credentialed by the White House. That sounds familiar. And Perry trying to figure out who her source is. Maybe Wonder Woman? Nope. She goes to meet the finance exec at a bar and is almost assassinated, and he is definitely so. Which of them was the target? A really intriguing story from Rucka. Batman 76 by King, Daniel, Florea, and Moray. City of Bane continues to spool out. Captain Adam comes to Gotham, disregarding presidential orders to leave the city alone. He runs into Gotham Girl, who mops the floor with him. Didn't really see that coming. She literally throws him out of town. Damien visits him in the hospital, and he is despondent. Gotham's peaceful. That's all they care about. Doing good's criminal now. That's the way it is. It shouldn't be, but it is. 
Damien then meets Tim on a rooftop, and after arguing, they are stumped as to what, if anything, they can do. Meanwhile, Kite Man, Scarecrow, and Tweedledum and Tweedledee are running from Thomas Wayne. One of the twins is left behind, and the others hide out in the Kite Quarters. You're scared? He's Batman. I'm Kite Man. Hell yeah, I'm scared. Of course, Thomas finds them. When asking Scarecrow, easy or hard? Yes, well, hard, please. Meanwhile in Paris, Selina is nursing Bruce back to health, stealing to hide and heal him. But if you just wake up, Bat, just a little bit, I promise I won't do it again. Back to Gotham, where Gotham Girl tells Thomas what she hears. Nothing. No one calling for help. No one needing Batman. Batman, what do you think of what you hear? I don't know. I guess I like the quiet. All is good. All is right. We've won. Not since No Man's Land have we seen a more engrossing Bat story. Two Year of the Villain issues. More about that later. Hawkman, number 15 by Venditti, Olif, Palmer, and Skipper. The dark gift section of the event has begun where the villains who accepted Lex's offer are now supercharged. So who is a Hawkman villain who could use a boost? Shadow Thief. Basically a guy with a suit gimmick, he can go in and out of shadows, can now control those shadows. This sounds like classic villain The Shade, and here he is. He's had dealings with Carter going back to the 40s, and they are now friends of a sort. Carter collapses in front of him. He's been flying for four days straight trying to stop Shadow Thief. He has a nightmare where he's attacking troops before waking up in Shade's home. Carter asks Shade for help because he's lost in the shadows and needs a guide. Suddenly, Shade notices something. Carter casts no shadow. They run into his safe room, so filled with light that there are no shadows. He knows that Shadow Thief is tracking Carter after taking his shadow away. Unfortunately, there's always a shadow, even if it's just in your mouth when you talk. Shadow Thief comes out of Shade's mouth, steals Shade's shadow, and escapes with Carter unable to stop him. Shade realizes that Shadow Thief is now tethered himself, so they go to the source of that tether, the Shadowlands. It's great to see the Shade again. He was a major part of James Robinson's classic Starman run. There's even a reference to a woman named Hope. Policewoman Hope O'Dare was in a relationship with the Shade in that book. I was happy to see the Shade, but I really think this hokey storyline of stealing your shadow straight from Peter Pan is kind of <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Year of the Villain, Sinestro number 1 by Russell Sinar, Ferreira, and Hi-Fi. An interesting story wrapped inside a wafer-thin tale of doomified Luthor who sends Sinestro, now an ultraviolet lantern, on a quest to stop a potential alien rival. A group of giants are attacking planets. The giants have the inherent ability to instantly regenerate from injuries. The citizens fight them for God Emperor Garf, but are doing badly. Force isn't the answer, so Sinestro uses science to determine that an entire micro-civilization is living inside of each of the giants with their only goal to fix injuries. Their lives last microseconds, super sped up, hence the instant repair work. He leaves the planet to its fate to follow the giants, then gets an order pep talk from Luthor to stop them. He then sends a micro-Sinestro to try to reason with them. Why serve the Paragons? Well, because they're all-powerful. Then why do they need your help? It's not about them needing us. It's about us needing them. For what exactly? Well, I don't know. They did help me quit drinking. 
This is classic Russell writing. Another planet is destroyed, and one of the microsinestros suggests an alternative. The microns are giving a slightly longer lifespan and spend the time doing something else. Over microgenerations, art and entertainment flourish, and the microns decide it's wrong to keep fixing the giants. Luthor is pleased, if a bit puzzled. A micro-sinestro goes back and takes over their government, giving them a new goal. Fix the giants so they will work for him. They have no choice. Basically, the story could have been done anytime without any tie-in to an event. Black Hammer Justice League No. 2 from Dark Horse in D.C. by Lemire, Walsh, and Picos. The super teams are still swapped. Bruce finds himself patrolling the town in a pickup truck, and the sheriff warns him to leave that to the police. Clark sees him arrive at the farm and tells him to give it up due to the lack of crime. You mean like you gave up, Clark? Of course, Clark is grieving too because he's missing Lois. Back in Metropolis, the Black Hammer team tries to fight Starro and doesn't do so well. Gale is taken over and attacks Dragonfly, which she probably would have done anyway. Hawkgirl, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter arrive, mop things up, and demand to know where their friends were taken. Barbalian is not impressed. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone knows Martians are red. Gale comes on to Aquaman. Hey, sailor, what lagoon have they been hiding you in, handsome? Please stop looking at me like that. Out in space, the Geo Corps is trying to apprehend Colonel Weird. He escapes through the Parazone 2 Bizarro World, where we see a Bizarro Black Hammer squad. The Green Lantern Corps tracks him down, and he tells them Black Hammer is not the cause of Justice League's disappearance, then shows Jon Stewart, who is via the Parazone. Yes, that is the mystery. A mystery in space. Hmm. Back in town, Cyborg is moping in his room. There's no internet, so he's stuck in his body. Diana comes to comfort him, but she has problems too. She's teaching a fourth grade history class. I'm a warrior, Victor. Every day I spend here pretending to be someone else is slow death for me. They both realize something is not right here and wish Barry hadn't sacrificed himself as we cut to his gravestone. The Oroville, New Beginnings 2 of 2 from Dark Horse by Goodman, Cabeza, and Atia. I was a little surprised to see this was only two issues, but it does force the story to wrap up quickly. Ed and Gordon confirm that the aliens are using the buried ship as a glorified drive through going there for the food dispensers only. The rest of the ship is forbidden, so of course the boys go snooping. They learn via an old message that the ship fought a battle there, crashed on the surface, and then destroyed the biosphere via a radiation leak. And Ensign was the highest-ranking survivor and decided to help the locals as best he could by rigging the food dispensers and setting the ship's cannon to automatic tracking. Of course, they are captured. Ed asks the aliens if any of their race can still remember before everything changed, and conveniently there is someone. Ed uses the old alien to convince the others just in time to stop the cannon from destroying the Orville or letting the Orville reciprocate, which would have blown up the old ship. There's also some stuff happening on the Orville, but not really anything of consequence. We see the beginning of the Kelly-Cassius romance and Topa starting school, but that's about it. As I said, it did seem rushed. I'm kind of sad that it ended, but what you going to do? I'm wondering if they're going to do a whole series of these like little mini things. I don't know. I mean, that was like an episode of exactly. the show. Exactly. So they could do that. Right. Second Coming, number two, from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Troy. Sunstar violently stops a group of alien robots who turn out to be just guys cosplaying as a robbery gimmick. 
This leaves Sunstar in turmoil, so he goes to a super group therapy session. He thinks that Sheila is wasting her life with him. Jesus suggests that sometimes you become too focused on protecting people from danger that you become the danger. Sheila checks in, noting that some guy who's mad about a recent story is threatening her, but she tells him it's being handled. Sunstar has to be talked down from intervening. God drops in to give Sunstar some advice, taking him to heaven to do so. He shouldn't beat himself up over the dead alien robots, and as long as he's doing something, he'll be fine. He does this back in heaven where we see a hilarious heavenly food court consisting of dead restaurant chains like Kenny Rogers Roasters, Burger Chef, Chi-Chi's, and Racks. Sunstar returns to Earth convinced he should get involved in Sheila's issue. Jesus tries to talk him out of it, telling a story about how he was despondent that people weren't flocking to him and how the devil tried to coax him into doing something splashy to convince them. Because the greatest temptation in the world isn't to do evil, but the need to be seen doing good. Of course, Sunstar wasn't listening, gets the address of the guy threatening her, and goes there threatening him to stop it. Jesus pulls the go forth and sin no more card, but it doesn't take. Later, Sheila tells him the guy came around again, and he takes a final action, only to learn he got the wrong address. Jesus consoles him, saying that God is the life of the party, but he's not the guy who helps you clean up afterwards. In my experience, force usually fails. Of course, mercy often fails too, but it does so more pleasantly. Doom Patrol, Weight of the World's number two from Young Animal by Way Lambert and Harvey. We get something we rarely see in comics anymore, a one-and-done story. Cliff, post-car crash, is back in his robot form. Key gives him an upgrade system powered by acts of kindness. Negative man's chest breaks open and three balls of positive energy fly off. The team goes to find them and we get a two-page map with plenty of text about the various areas of Danny Land. Rita calls them. They are needed in Danny the Ambulance to handle a space divorce where two planets in a relationship break up. In the end, Lotion the Cat, who ate the positive balls, uses the positive energy to bring the planets back together. Finally, Larry reabsorbs all this energy and becomes Positive Man. To say that this title is trippy is a severe understatement. Now, we did have one news story this week. DC decided at the last moment to pull Superman number 14 and Supergirl 33 so late that they asked LCSs to destroy the copies they had. The result is that the two issues will be delayed, which is hardly a story at DC. By the way, the scrapped issues are selling for $50 on eBay. Naughty, naughty, local comic book shops. But why were they polled? Well, the official reason was that the covers included trade dress for Year of the Villain, despite having little to do with the event. But mm, most of them to have little to do with the event. Sorry. <laughs> and there were other titles the same week with the same trade dress that had little to do with the event. Catwoman is one example. The real reason may involve the Legion of Superheroes. Both the super issues included scenes where the United Planets were being established, which a thousand years later will lead to the Legion. Perhaps there was a timing concern with the upcoming Legion title. We also learned that all mainline DC titles were to include a multi-page promotional pitch for the upcoming Legion title. This was also pulled at the last minute, although the digital copies did include them. Bleeding Cool points to leaked internal pages of the scrapped issues, where a future lightning lad appears to be black. However, earlier promotional items for the Legion shows Cosmic Boy, not Lightning Lad, as being black. So, it's not so much a racial issue, than it is a lack of coordination by the editors. In any case, 
The move by DC took this non-issue that probably would never have been noticed even by comic geeks and placed a spotlight on it. Good work, DC. If the editors would get off Twitter and stop going to conventions once in a while, maybe they could actually do their jobs. All right, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest growing new game show. Guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly 2.0. Now, we've had to make some changes in light of Entertainment Weekly becoming Entertainment Monthly. So let's bring out the big newsstand. No whammies, no whammies. Let's get a magazine that hasn't already been shut down and stop. TV Guide. Mark, guess who's on the cover of TV Guide this week? Okay, I'm guessing it's TV related? It is TV related. (laughs) Okay, is it one person on the cover? No. Two? No. Three? No. Four? No. Five? Uh, A lot of people on the cover. A lot of people on the cover. Are they all in the same cast of a show? Yes. Uh, Is it a show on a broadcast uh, network? Yes. Uh, is it on ABC? No. NBC? No. CBS? No. Uh, Fox? Yes. Fox. Fox. Uh, is it an existing show or a new upcoming show? Uh, it's an existing show. Existing show. Um, and is it a drama? Um, yes. Is it? Okay, so it's a drama. It's a scripted show. Yes. Okay. Um, is it related to... Uh, um, first responders. No. It's not 911. No. Um, is it genre related? Um, no. Okay. Uh, so it's based on, uh, is it, um, uh, is it Empire? No. Um, let's see. Um, is it based in current times? Uh, yes. Okay. Drama, not I, genre. I can give you a clue if you want. Sure. We recently talked about the show. Huh. And it's an existing show, It's but it's on the air now. Yes. Okay. Um, and, boy, Fox okay. Dramas. I'll give you another hint. <laughs> it's a reboot. It's a reboot on Fox. Reboot, uh, is it Beverly Hills 90210? It is Beverly Hills. Oh, that was too big a clue. That was end. a big clue. Yeah. Okay. But, yes, Beverly Hills 90210, the where the actors are playing the actors who played the characters on 90210. Very meta. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.